You are listening to the Therefore a Geek podcast, episode 91. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Therefore a Geek. I'm Andrew. I'm Tracy. And I'm Kurt. That's right. Today, Kurt is joining us. Dude is at an uh, unfortunate family emergency that he is unable to join us for. So, Kurt is joining us, and we're going to be talking about role-playing games, specifically uh, video game role-playing games. One of my favorites. Uh, same, same with me, so that's why Kurt was a, a natural choice for this show. Uh, we've also got some some news about Kevin Smith. Uh, Star Trek Discovery has cast its first uh, cast member. And, of course, we have the unfortunate passing of Ron Glass this week. Yeah, 2016, mm. man. Yeah, screw you, 2016. Right? We're, we're almost done. We're almost done. They couldn't wait the last 30 days? I mean, I'd rather get it. You know, if we're, if we're going to have a shit year, let's get it, let's get everything into the shit year. <laughs> and move ahead for 2017, yeah. <laughs> move, move on with a better year. I mean, I can only complain so much having gotten married in 2016, but, comma, <laughs> this has been a real shit year otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, so um, talking about Star Trek real quick, Michelle Yeoh, who is one of the cast members of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, supposedly she's uh, set to headline the new CBS uh, series, Star Trek Discovery, and we don't have a name for her character yet. But it's Nicholas Meyer. I'm, I'm reading this article on comingsoon.net, which will be in the show notes. It's a very confusing article because of the way that they're trying to name drop in it, I think. But it's saying Nicholas Meyer just confirmed to C.S. Meyer, who helmed Wrath of Khan and the Undiscovered Country. And Nic- is a Nicholas, consulting... Nicholas Meyer being the director for Wrath of Khan. The original or the remake here? No, no, the original. The Wrath of Khan back in, in the 80s. Yeah, okay. No, this Nick- says... And and it says he's serving as a consulting producer on Discovery. So who is C.S. Meyer then? I don't know who C.S. Meyer is. Nicholas Meyer, though, is is actually probably one of the better people to be involved in Star Trek Discovery because he's really he's really the one responsible for a lot of the look and feel of Wrath of Khan. Which I mean, people can argue otherwise, but it's the best Star Trek movie. It is a very good Star Trek yeah. movie. They, they, can, really... they can argue otherwise, but they'll be wrong. yeah so we have our first cast member but nothing has been really confirmed about what role she'll be playing potentially the series lead a female lieutenant commander is all the news that we have as far as what she'll actually be doing on the show but i thought that was really cool yeah well i mean you know especially with them having pushed the date back we're getting closer and closer to a lot of these announcements obviously if this were january you know and we hadn't had these announcements it'd be terrifying yes but now with it being in may you know, we're getting closer, so, but not, yeah. not in that, oh God, oh God window. Yeah, so I've got a couple of articles here about Kevin Smith. So the first one dovetails kind of nicely into what Dude was talking about last week, where he was, he watched uh, The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened? Mm-hmm, so, yes. Uh, Kevin Smith did a, a Facebook Live, which is, in general, is something I kind of go, eh, on, but I'm just not a big fan of the Facebook Live thing, but he did a They fa- also always do it in the middle of my work day. I can't, I can't watch them. I want to, but... So Kevin Smith actually said that uh, if Warner Brothers approached him about doing a animated film for Superman Lives, he'd, he'd really be into it. Uh, in fact, he, he actually said he would like to get the originally intended cast involved. So Nicolas Ooh. Cage, Michael Rooker. I don't know about Nicolas Cage. Michael Rooker, actually, as Lex Luthor, could be pretty good. Isn't he the guy that played, he was in Guardians of the Galaxy? Yes, as um, he played Yondu. Yeah, Yondu, there you go. Yeah, he's great. As Lex Luthor, though. All right. Yeah, especially, I mean, especially if they're if it's just voice acting. 
he could lend the gravitas necessary yeah, okay. as opposed to Eisenberg. Ugh. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. So the other thing Kevin Smith has come out this week and said is on his Fat Man on Batman podcast that he'd be interested in doing a remake of Disney's Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. Uh, Whoa. As we, yeah, as weird as that sounds for Kevin Smith to talk about, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. I mean, Okay. Like, like, <laughs> what would that look like? I wonder which fireside chat that idea came from. I don't know. So it's it's kind of interesting. I'll read, I'll read the the quote here. He said that fucking movie has it all, dude. Uh, Smith explained to co-host Mark uh, Bernadine, which is battling fucking Nazis with their fucking ghosts and armor. Kids, a cartoon under the sea where they play fucking soccer. <laughs> so okay. I don't I don't know if Smith was stoned or not because <laughs> it's always an option. Maybe he had been stoned watching it and still thought it was a good idea the next morning. Yeah, maybe I mean, maybe Jay came back with a with a I mean keep talking, one. Kevin Smith. We like what you're throwing at us. Just keep talking. <laughs> yeah, I mean you know, it's been a it's been a very, very long time since I have seen that movie. But I remember like enjoying it as a kid, and I think Kevin Smith maybe is getting to a point where he wants to do something different. Yeah, absolutely. And the man, he's talented. He absolutely could do just about anything he put his mind to, I think. He he is, although the Superman Lives thing does would does worry me a little bit. Like I I've read Kevin Smith's actual like comic book work and it's I'm not wholly convinced on its quality. It's been a while since I've read any of it, but like I remember like reading Batman the Widening Gyre and just going, I'm not so into this. Well, do you think that that would translate poorly to to a, a an animated flick though or no well but it's still it's still kevin smith's script like kevin smith is yeah. a very specific type of script and type of film he writes he does have a very distinctive voice yeah you're right and, and i don't know how well that would work in a franchise kind of superhero okay i can i could see those concerns no, yeah I, what could be fun is, aside from Bluntman and Chronic, a Kevin Smith like doing his own superhero kind of thing. Because the man loves superheroes. I just think in a in an existing shared universe, he'd have a difficult time with his styles fitting in. That's you, true. Are you saying like taking it seriously and and having like a very deep character? No, I think he. I think. I mean, I'm a big fan of Chasing Amy, so I think Kevin Smith is perfectly capable of doing deep characterization. I just think, like, like I said, he has a very distinct voice in his writing, and I don't know how well that would mesh with kind of existing characterizations. That's fair. Would we? Okay, so here's here's a question about that. If he did this, would we consider it to be canon or outside the, outside the realm of canon? Throwing yeah. back to our discussion, it'd be canon. like any of the DC the the DC animated films. It's outside of canon. I mean, yeah. all, all, as as good as they have been, they have all been non canonical stories. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Hmm. Could be interesting. Now we'll see. have to see if anybody takes him up on it. That's the only thing about everybody talking. Oh, yeah, I would totally be open to blah, blah, blah. Well, someone's got to take him up on it. Yeah, although he has been working with Warner Brothers more recently because he directed an episode of uh, Flash and an episode of Supergirl. Oh, I did not know that. No, I hadn't realized that either. But given the fact that he's working with them more... I don't know that it, I, yeah, I don't know that it, I don't, I don't know that I would say it makes it any more likely, but it doesn't make it outside of the realm of possible. It doesn't make it, it doesn't make it less likely. It yeah. does, I don't know that it, it improves the odds. It just doesn't, doesn't diminish them. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, if he remakes Kurt, Kurt's trying, to do, and Kurt's trying to do math that's there, fine. it's 1030 <laughs> in the morning and Kurt's trying to do math. I'm trying to, to do coffee, but that's not quite working. 
to clear the cobwebs. But yeah, the, so the bed knobs and broomsticks. I mean, done Smith's way. All right, I'm interested. I'll I'll watch. I'll see how it goes. Yeah, and then obviously when we mentioned this earlier, but you know the unfortunate passing of Ron Glass this week. Yeah, yes. that is unfortunate. That hit me really hard. Um, you and I met him a couple of years ago at Awesome Con, I think, right? Yeah, I think it was. And you know, I was thinking about this because you say you were saying he was seventy-one, which is still fairly in this day and age, it's fairly young. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about it's like you know when we met him though two years ago, he wasn't looking great. Like, like he, he did look a little frail, yeah. He looked kind of frail and kind of tired. But he was still the nicest guy. Oh man, that he smile! Was, he was exceptionally nice unbelievably soft-spoken like i had a hard time hearing him and i'm very soft-spoken yeah but i mean i really enjoyed him i put on not on therefore a geek but on some assembly required i put up the, his signature for my poster with one of my favorite quotes from shepherd book is doing the mighty makes it, doing the impossible makes us mighty yeah nice that one and then uh and then in serenity my, my other favorite one which i did share on, on therefore a geek is uh is jane when they've all decided to to go to miranda says, you know, Shepard Book once told me if you can't do something smart, do something right. <laughs> yeah. Which is yeah. both which is both a fitting character moment and just a, a, you know, a good thing to keep in mind. If you're not sure exactly what the what the the best idea, the best thing to do is do something you know is right. Yeah. I was actually doing I I heard the news, you told me the news last night and I was shocked. But then I was scrolling through Instagram and I follow Nathan Fillion on Instagram and he had a picture of of Ron Glass and a quote from serenity uh shepherd don't move and he responds won't go far and i just i i lost it it was just he was so very clearly a gentle soul and i don't know the world's poorer because he's gone yeah damn you 2016 what what (laughs) the actual fuck all right so moving on to our main topic here which like i mentioned before is role-playing games and specifically video game role-playing games now obviously you know, video game role-playing games, you know, wouldn't be where they are without good old-fashioned Dungeons & Dragons. So, just as kind of a, a, a backstory here. So, Dungeons & Dragons comes out in... It's kind of, it was kind of a long process to, to make, to come up with an iterative process with Gary Gygax and a couple other guys. Dungeons & Dragons first comes out to the public in 1974. And shortly thereafter is when we start to get the first of the at the time, computer-based role-playing games, and then, you know, 10 years or so later when consoles get released, we start getting the first of the, the console-based games. Yeah, and the, the first the first games were, were rough. <laughs> hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think just to say the least, you know, a lot of them were text-based because the, the computers at the time just could not handle any kind of advanced graphics. And, you know, when I say advanced... I mean, you know, the Nintendo, the original Nintendo Entertainment System's 8-bit graphics were far beyond the capacity of, of these computers. You know, so, so you got a lot of kind of oddball stuff. Reading the book, the, book, the Tetris Effect, uh, I discovered that one of the guys, specifically the guy who's most responsible for bringing Tetris to the West, to um, he basically he, he was the guy who went out and got, got the rights for Tetris for Game Boy. Ah, uh, Smart and, man. Yeah, so I mean, he was on a on a on a on a mission from from Nintendo, and it's kind of amusing because basically, they they picked him because he was a white guy, and if if they got in trouble, basically the high money Nintendo investors could just basically back out and 
you know blame blame the white guy well basically just just completely erase their involvement in the process because he he was going on a on a visa that on a tourist visa as opposed to like a business visa ah okay yeah so he was he was lying to get into the country and all kinds of stuff and was good <laughs> good times that is interesting yeah but so he is actually responsible i'll get his name here in a second so the guy's name is hank hank rogers and hank uh, rogers not not yeah not hank but hank h-e-n-k oh hank hank yeah well, that's an interesting uh, take all right yeah yeah no <laughs> interesting <laughs> choice on his parents t- on his parents part there <laughs> and so rogers is entry into basically Japanese video games and, and the, the Japanese video game industry is that he created a role-playing game for the computer called the Black Onyx. And Not to be it, redundant. Right. <laughs> nice. I didn't think about that. That's good. <laughs> and basically, it's largely considered the first Japanese role-playing game. And and Rogers based a lot of it on his time in college playing Dungeons & Dragons makes sense yeah. what did this game look like uh, i have not seen any like screenshots of it actually that's a good question let's see if we can find one real quick yeah i'd be interested i hadn't even heard this story uh, uh until just now um you know it's surprisingly not bad i mean it's not you're good. right it's still it's did still text- surprisingly not bad <laughs> yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's text-based no it's not oh what am i looking at then i don't know you're looking at a graphic that's a title screen Oh, okay. I see. I see. I see. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, looking at these pictures. Sure. I can see where that's going. It's got a, a very basic swords and serpents feel. Even Dragon Warrior-ish. Yeah. So, but w- one of the things this is even, this is credited with is in part being the, some of the inspiration for the original Final Fantasy, which, as as buggy and as many problems that game had, that is one of the kind of turning points for role-playing games. Yeah, yeah, and frankly, my video gaming career, for lack of a better term, that was actually what satisfied me for the first time, as a matter of fact. As, as a video gamer, I mean, <laughs> don't give me a funny <laughs> look. <laughs> oh, Lord. So, I guess I'll just segue into to my... My Final Fantasy experience. So I had burned through a lot of video games for the Nintendo. Uh, after, you know, a couple of years of begging my parents to get an NES. And so, you know, all the earlier games were, were kind of action sort of puzzle games, right? Uh, but I would go through them so quickly. And we're talking like within a day, a couple of days. So my parents would go out and buy a game and then pff, gone, right? And so I started reading... Nintendo Power about Dragon Warrior. I was like, hmm, that sounds like a game that I might actually take a little time to get through. Then I won't have to have them buy me a game, right, for for a long time. Or I could sit sit there and enjoy it for a while. So we go to Toys R Us, and uh, it was, I think it was my birthday or some such. And uh, I'm looking up, you know, at the time, they didn't have the games sitting on a rack. You actually had to go look at all the paper know box covers and take a ticket up to the counter <laughs> oh and go get God, it which was, that. Which is oh. a really nice ritual to go through because you're just oh i get to take this ticket and then i get to go to a guy and say this is what i want and then so, you, know, back so you, you took it to the counter like you paid for it and then you went to like i don't know about yours but like you went to like a, a window on the wall on the wall by the yes. exit yes 
That's then exactly. You gave them the ticket and the receipt, and then they gave you the game. Yes. Oh they, yeah. They give you the, the glory of of getting that game in your hand and giving somebody a piece of paper. I, I remember. I remember doing that for Mar- Mario Brothers Three. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I did that for many a game, and it was. I love that experience. But so I went there specifically looking for Dragon Warrior, and you know I was looking and looking and looking, and finally spotted it, but there was no more tickets left. It was. It was done. And I was like, huh. All right. Well, what other game can I find? So I keep looking at the wall, and then I see the uh, the the classic uh, crossed you know axe and what have you on the on the nice black background. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll take that one. It was kind of a disappointment, but kind of well, I'll try this. Ended up being the the best thing that ever happened. I spent months and years on that game, and I loved every moment of it. It uh, it really just jolted me right into the RPG category, and I knew, okay, from then on, this is pretty much what I need to stick with. Yeah, that's your favorite style of game. And I mean, it, I think between that and real, real-time real strategy, it, it is also my favorite kind of game. I don't play them as often as, as much as I, I want to nowadays because I don't you know, time, and they do take a lot of time. But Yes, they do. But I do very much love them. So obviously, you know, Final the original Final Fantasy came out. There were a number a number of sequels uh, in Japan. Up to they got up from one through six. The U.S. releases of that are really screwy. Yeah, because they they, <laughs> shuff, they shuffle the, the American numbering sh- gets shuffled around. So it was like one, and then two and three came out in Japan. And I think f- two in the U.S. was four. Four, yep, and three was six. But yeah. I, I like to think of it as they actually gave America. The, just the, the best ones. The best ones. No, seriously. Because honestly, two and three and five, I, I've played them. I actually went through the motions to play them in Japanese before they came out in America. And they were just tedious, much like the first one, but just so tedious that, eh, you know. But two and three, four and six, whichever way you right. want to count them. They they gave us a Star Wars conundrum, right? Where oh, we're going to watch the first three films. And by that, I mean four, five, and six. But anyway, two and three had some of the best stories, some of the best characters, and they just drew me in. I actually traded away permanently Game Boy games so that I could borrow, I think it was a Super Nintendo, just to play Final Fantasy II for a week. That's how much I like those games. Yeah. Permanent yeah. trade. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, the guy screwed me, but I, I was didn't just going to say, you were a really gullible kid. No, I didn't care. I was like, you know what? Eh. I just mm-hmm. didn't care. Um, well, somebody was the rich kid on the block. Somebody was. Well, I'd say when, when it wasn't me. When when we get to the Super Nintendo, even though I didn't own one, that's actually where my introduction to RPGs comes in. Is I and what was that? So it was it was through my friends Chris and Chad, and it was first one Wait, was was it this wasn't Powers was it? No, this is not Chris Powers. Okay, because I've met Chad. You've met Chad. It's Chad Chad and his younger brother Chris. Okay, gotcha. You have and whom, whom you have not met, and I actually probably I don't think I've seen Chris in about ten years. Well, Chad is a geek lord, for real. <laughs> oh no no no! Chad is responsible for most of the most of the the nerdy things I'm into, Star Wars being one of the notable exceptions. Uh, but Chad, the first thing Chad introduced me to, actually, but even before that, on an unrelated note, the first thing he introduced me to was Warcraft Two. <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. So, but then when we started playing RPGs, it was Earthbound. Okay. I mean, I this, this is another. This is like my introduction to comic books. We dove into the good stuff first, <laughs> right? And, and and this is in part because they had an older sister who was also into them. So so Kimmy Kimmy knew more of what she was what she was getting. But Earthbound, Chrono Trigger, and Super Mario RPG. 
So I have not actually played Super Mario RPG. Oh, it's good. I've seen it. I had not actually played it. So, so Earthbound, aside from just, it's one of those games that's super rare to find. Like, there's a a, a, a vintage video game store in the area called Video Game Heaven, and regular if they get a if if they get a cartridge of Earthbound in. It goes for between two fifty and three hundred dollars, and it is typically gone oh. in less than twenty four hours. Oh my god! I don't, yeah, know, I don't know if they still do. They had a, they used to have a wait list on it. Like you know, the next cartridge that comes in goes to this guy, you know, unless they you know unless they pass on it. Like yeah, it was one of those. It's one of those games. And I mean, Chrono Trigger's not that bad, but I think Chrono Trigger goes for somewhere between sixty and eighty bucks. Yes. An original copy, sure. I know yeah. they re released it. They re released it a couple times. They re released it on the PSP and mm-hmm. on and on um. Game Boy 3D, uh, 3DS. Yep. And I think they also released it either on PlayStation, probably PlayStation no, 2. Uh, no, PlayStation, it was part of Final yeah, like Fantasy a... Anthology. Right, yep. And I think I have that sitting somewhere in a box. Because the only copy of Chrono Trigger I haven't owned is the original. <laughs> it's an original <laughs> cartridge. You know, it's one of those things I was thinking about this. It's hard to say at any point the genre peaked, at least looking at like kind of these early times. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of looking forward, looking forward on it. I think Final Fantasy VII is still probably the pinnacle of the genre. Yeah, it was. It, it was definitely a turning point. It's hard. It's hard to argue that it. It's hard to argue that it's not. <laughs> well, I don't know that a role playing genre can have a peak because the whole point to the genre is to immerse somebody. So it's only going to improve as technology improves. I, th- I think. We're gonna- I think the immersive environment will improve, but in terms of its reach and the storytelling involved, I don't know how much better you're going to get than Final Fantasy VII. What about like game mechanics as far as fight mechanics, that kind of thing? It's funny because at the time, like Final Fantasy VII, you know, people talked about like how all of this was, you know, it was so much like so revolutionary and like so much so different. And at the time I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I go back and I look and it's like, not really. Like a lot of the game, well, not like a lot of the mechanics that were there, like a lot of the mechanics that Seven uses, they improved upon existing mechanics. I mean, but I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, like they're talking about like, you know, that the, um, the real time turn system mm-hmm. that's uh, Final Fantasy VI used something similar to that. Similar. Yeah. Right. No, it, I, it, I'm it, with you. That was not... actually one of the things I liked about Final Fantasy is it's very much like a, like a Call of Duty or any other shooting game. Is you just pick up a controller, all the controls are pretty much standard these days. Yeah. <laughs> if you play one, you've played them all, you're just playing a different story. But yeah, once they actually got, like Final Fantasy VI was, was pretty good with the menu system. Um, it wasn't quite as tedious as some of the earlier ones. But Seven improved upon that and made it a little smoother, a little slicker. And I think that's what really made it so much fun, along with all the, the cinematics. Yeah, I, certainly the the cinematics were a big thing. I, and again, I also think you know the story itself was just was just fantastic. It was good characters, very well told. Yeah. yeah so I mean, then then you, you, know, you get stuff like seven, eight, and nine for the original PlayStation. And at that point, I, that's actually kind of where I fell off of role playing games for a while, just because I, I didn't upgrade to the next system. I didn't get the PS2, so it, it took me a while to get back into it. But yeah, well, there were actually very few things that uh, caused me to buy consoles past the, the PlayStation. And PlayStation 2 I purchased because of 7. Just as PlayStation 3 I purchased because of Dark Souls. Just as PlayStation 4 I purchased because of Dark Souls, or not Dark Souls 2, um, 3. Yeah, and, and it's one of the things also, 
I got away for I got away from console gaming for a while, but I also got when I got back into console gaming, it was actually with like an Xbox or Xbox 360. Really, PlayStation was a lot a lot better for role playing games because it's a Japanese company and mm-hmm. they worked with a lot of Japanese developers and made the you know Japanese RPGs. Yes, which started very early on with Dragon Warrior, actually. Yeah. Um, so, but like it's been. Interesting to see, we, and we, we talked about this a little bit before before we recorded. We were talking about, you know, how RPGs have kind of kind of slipped their way into almost every kind of other game out there now. Yes, yes, they have, which I, I giggle inside whenever I see that. <laughs> I do, because a lot of people are like, well, I don't like RPGs because it's just too boring and long and whatever. But every first-person shooter these days has some element of RPG. Yeah. Every action. Well, it goes back to that idea of the immersive immersion, right? Well, it's so, immersive right. and also the idea of being able to advance your character. Mm-hmm. Yes. That reward of leveling up, if you will. Yeah. And, um, and, and you know, I think, you know, you get a lot of these games that I, I like, I like to think of as kind of action, action adventure, RPG hybrids. So you get like, Dragon Age and Skyrim and Mass Effect and Fallout. Yep, all of them. Where where they have a they really are action adventure games. Just slowed down enough to call them RPGs. <laughs> well, hey, you get to choose what to say to this guy. Well, that and also, like you said, there's that customization and level up, leveling up. You know, your right. you know, your, your perks and Fallout. You know that sort of thing. Your perks and also. I mean, oh, like Mass Effect, you know, you level up so you get to add add levels of a certain skill, which is actually very like D and D. Yep. Well, RPGs are particularly well loved in Japan. I mean, yes. they, what? I mean, they they sell so much more RPGs than any other genre in Japan. Do you think that has anything to do with this sort of creep into other genres because they want to sell well in Japan, or do you think that across the board, every culture? is much more interested in this option to level up and customize their character. Uh, no, I, I actually think that's that's something more on the... has a lot more to do with the, Amer- the American market. And, and, I, and I say that just because, you know, the, the Japanese market tends to do its own thing when it comes to video games. So like, <laughs> In general, <laughs> everything. <laughs> the Japanese market just... Well, well no, no. But so like, the, so like very strange. the X, Xbox 360 sold so many more units uh, than the PS3 in the United States. Mm-hmm. And why is that? But the PS3 in Japan blew Microsoft out of the water. Yeah, I mean, just 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 crushed them. Yeah, and I, I don't necessarily Sony. Oh, I think that's part of it, but I think it's also part of has to do with the games that are available on the console. We're talking about Japanese RPGs. There are so many that are made in Japan that don't ever make it to the U.S. Yeah, yeah that, that's absolutely. absolutely true, and a lot of them are really good. Oh yeah, no, no. I mean, I heard all kinds of fantastic things about them, but you know that that's just that's the genre they want to play. I think. Yeah, and actually. Since the '80s, it's been yeah that way, which that's a mighty long time. Yeah, so I, I don't I don't specifically know why it is that I, I don't think that the Japanese market is the reason that, that, that those things have crept in. I think those things have crept in like those those RPG elements have crept in for the American audience because the Japanese market just does its own thing. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, I I see the difference. Yeah. Well, I, the, and, the Western market is tends to be a little you know less patient. You know, they want action. They want it now, right? Right. Yeah. Um, whereas the Japanese market, culturally, they're a little... The, the, they're more patient. I wanted, wanted to say slower, but <laughs> that, that gives the wrong impression. Yes, they're much more patient. They're much more willing to flesh out the story, to, to play their role, as you know, as it were. Yeah, I also want to say, you know, to an extent, 
leveling up actually plays into that American want for instant gratification. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like the long term goal of a video game is to beat the game. Right. But over the course have... of the over the course of the game, yeah. you get these little. You can't really call them achieve. I'm not gonna call them achievements because because that's a whole different thing with video games. But you right. get these little. You earn these little rewards with leveling up, yeah. and it and it gives you something else. So it makes the the experience better. Yeah, it's an emotional boost, really. Yeah. So you don't get the gratification of beating the game, but you get yeah little mini boosts along the way until you get to the end. Yeah, and actually, as far as I'm concerned, I. I don't know. I consider myself a what they call a power player. So whenever I play an RPG, not so much anymore, but you know, back whenever I actually had time <laughs> and I was a kid, I would sit there and grind for oh, days. Oh god, yeah. For days because I yeah. knew if I put the time in, eh, the game I could actually affect the story of the game because somebody's trying to throw something difficult at me. Yeah. Meh, I could just knock it out of the way. Just slap <laughs> yep. it around. But me being a very introverted kid, that was one way to have power. Yeah, in in my world, right, and that's I think that's why I took to them so much. Uh, in addition to the long playing time, as a quick tangent on that, uh, my mother bought me a game one time called Life Force, which I think was like the sequel to Gradius or something like that. I beat the game in four hours, and I felt guilty. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> four hours. Why? And I felt. Oh, I bet she was so guilty. mad at you. No, she wasn't. But whenever she walked in after work. Because she had bought it, you know, that night and then gave it to me that morning because it was my birthday. And I was out of school or whatever. Um, and she came home and I was playing something else. And she was like, oh, what was that game up with? Well, I beat it. And just the words coming out of my mouth. I was like, oh, I made my mom basically waste money because I <laughs> wanted a game that I, you know. It's already done. <laughs> it's already over. Well, if but. I can ask you guys a question, why do you think that the RPG genre hasn't translated very well to mobile gaming? Because mobile gaming is one of the big segments of the market. And granted, a lot more, a, a larger portion of that are sort of casual gamers like me. Mm-hmm. I, d- I like to have something to sort of mess around with in my downtime. What, but it, it just doesn't seem as though, even occasionally I'll see traditionally RPG games on a mobile device. You can download it, the app, you can play it a little bit. But it doesn't have the same feel at all. Why do you think that is? Well, I, I think it's a, it's a couple reasons. One, I think it's the mobile interface. It's the screen tapping and things like that is less desirable. Mm-hmm. The other thing I think is, and you hit on it, is the ca- it's a mobile games are really designed for casual gamers. I can break out my phone and play Angry Birds for ten minutes mm-hmm. without having to worry about anything. Yeah, I can't on do the bus, you know, go right. on the metro, whatever. Yep, I can't do squat in an RPG in ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's absolutely true. It's 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 the immersion. It's it's. If you want to play an RPG, like a proper RPG, not one that's been, you know... Watered down? Uh, yeah, watered down a little bit. Is It's a story. It's like you sitting down to read a book. But instead of reading a book, you're playing a book. So you're not going to be able to immerse yourself properly in short bursts because you're just going to keep getting little clips. And then if you have to, you know, finish a quest or do whatever, you don't want to stop doing the quest. You want to get to the end of the chapter, right? Okay. And if that chapter is good, you want to go to the next chapter. You want to just sit there and just take it all in. That's there, an analogy I can get behind. Sure. And then there's also the there's also the other problem, save points. <laughs> yeah, definitely. They uh they used to be quite plentiful. These days, not so much. Well, admittedly, like more and more of the games have gone to like auto saves, like less straight up save points and more in- involving auto saves. So there's also that. Well, so, I, I suppose. 
So but, there, there is the one genre of RPG we haven't touched on yet, and it's probably the 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 point the the place at which the American audience has really embraced the genre the most, and that is the massive multiplayer online role playing game. Yeah, yeah. Yikes! Or, there. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. World of Warcraft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, I was thinking more of the fantasy things, like the old EverQuest. Uh, EverQuest as well. Yeah, yeah. all of them. And I have, because I know me, actively avoided them. <laughs> actively. Whenever Final Fantasy, I, it was 11 or 13, whichever one went multiplayer, I actively said, nope, I can't do that. If I uh, do that, I will lose my life. It was 11, oh, actually 11 and 14. So I have actually played f- four different MMOs over over my life. I played Star Trek Online, uh, Final Fantasy XIV, uh, Star Wars: The Old Republic, and, and and World of Warcraft for a little while. I, yeah, I mean, I I enjoy them. I am the wrong person to play them because I don't like other people. <laughs> well, and, See, that's and, why and, I don't like them and, either. And so there is a limit to you hit a point where you can it kind of limits your advancement if you don't want to play with other people. Yeah. And oh, that's, well, that, that yeah, that sucks. Old Republic is the game I probably played the most. Old Republic or Star Trek Online, one of the two. Yeah, Star Wars and Star Trek games, shocking for, for me, I know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they were fun. I actually played a couple of, you know, adventure games oh. on the old computer that were actually pretty pretty fun. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I could hit the character, I could hit the um, the, the level cap, and I, I mean, I could play through the whole game and, and enjoy it, but then a lot of the end game content revolves around, like, raids and things like that that involve groups of people and i just don't want to deal with that many other people i mean yeah, I, even I've, in i've been in i've been invited into you know different different guilds and stuff in games uh, my brother-in-law is in one in wow and uh, my friend mitch had one in old republic that that i was part of when the game first launched and i just you know didn't feel like playing with other people i've gotten over... even even in world of warcraft because i've i figured of all of them World of Warcraft would have been the one to to suck the most time because I had a ton of fun with uh, Warcraft two and three. Oh no, I mean like Warcraft three, like or I'm sorry, World of Warcraft, like again, you can you can go and hit the level cap and everything and and suck a lot of time in doing stuff, especially now that you know the more and more they up the level cap. But like like the really interesting end game content is all. Group based. Yeah, group centric. Yeah. Now with uh, Burning Legion out, you can hit level 100, no problem. Hell, hell, you can start with the character at level 100 now, I think. What? That I, seems strange. Well, it's the idea is so you don't have to sit and, gr- and grind. Yeah, so that people, so they don't alienate people trying to get into the game for the first time. Okay. Right, so you don't have to sit and grind through 100 levels. You can go and play with your friend, you, with other people. Eh, I'm not sure I like that, but maybe I'll think I mean, about it. I've never, I've never started. So uh, when I when I when I started playing World of Warcraft, it was whatever whatever the Panda expansion was. Uh huh. Like so, that's when I started, and I think the level cap at that point was seventy five or seventy five or eighty five. I can't remember. And you could you could start a character at that level, and I was like, but 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 then I don't get to do everything else. Yeah, that takes out all of the role playing. You know, the the leveling up the way you want to the, you know, bit by bit even. I mean, otherwise you're just basically paying to. To start powerful, I don't know. That seems like well. You also, if you fun. start out powerful, then you don't really learn. I mean, I guess all these games have similar mechanics, but you don't get to learn at the lower levels where because that's the annoying thing is I always feel like when I start these games, I actually level up too quickly, so then I'm facing adversaries that are too tough for me too quickly. 
And I kind of wanted to spend some time almost yeah. in like the opening section, you know, just sort of playing that first level a little bit longer than they ever give me. Right. So I, I don't think that I would personally like to be at level 100 because that means anything that I'm fighting against is going to be higher. Yeah, you don't get to kill the rats. Right. right. You, they're, they're already too, too wimpy for you. Just stomp you, on them and you, they're done. You must kill kobolds first. <laughs> it's a rite of passage. <laughs> so the other the other reason I can see doing it though is for people who've been playing the game for a long time and they want to change something up. They want to like play a different class. Okay. Es- especially for someone who wants to play it for like a rating a rating group. Yeah. You know. So I don't want to well, sp- I don't want to spend the next four months trying to level up a character because, that was just a throwaway in the first place. Well, or like, hey my hey my my rating group just lost its just lost its healer yeah okay i I guess i can see that but there there are reasons for it i've just never and i i but i tend to agree with you i've never done it and i i really enjoy for lack of a better term i really enjoy the grind yeah well that's that's half if not more of the fun of a role-playing game is the grind because let's be honest a quest you know an adventure if you will is not a you know quick run through it's a okay i need to stop i need to figure this out i need to level up i need to get more powerful i need to get the magic short sword plus two you know that's whatever i that's that's all of the fun for me so i I don't know i don't know but i guess you know in in old republic i've got like four characters who are on tatooine because i just can't stand that planet anymore i've been through (laughs) a couple times i'm just like oh god i wish i could just just bypass this shit (laughs) <laughs> you keep making a new character and then Espe- running through all the way up to that i've done it a few times especially well my one character so so the star wars has actually done something that's kind of cool ish I'm, I'm still not 100 on it so your character levels up obviously but so you're not like so grossly powerful like so like if you, if you grind a lot and level up faster you know obviously you know you could be hanging out in the level 20 area and be a level 40 Okay, yeah. Right. So what they do is is they kind of nerf you back down to the appropriate level. What is cool, what's cool is then, you know, you're you're still a higher level character, so you have access to better gear and better abilities and things like that. Mhm. But they scale it down appropriate to the level at which you're in. Oh, that's interesting. But yeah. see, that also defeats the whole purpose I grind grounded, grinded, whatever it is. <laughs> the reason I leveled up early uh, in the first place, was always to get the best gear so that I could then slap around the bosses. I always well, found I, much enjoyment. In you know, that. Ad- admittedly, though, you're still you're still doing that to an extent because you have the better gear because you have the higher level abilities. Mm-hmm. You know, because because of the the way MMOs do their progression, a lot of them, you know, you unlock new like just straight up abilities. Right. Yep. As you go, so you have access to the higher abilities, but instead of doing a you know a thousand points of damage. Then maybe only do six hundred points of damage or something, you know, something that's yeah, appropriately yeah. scaled, but you're still yeah. doing, you still have access to the the better skills and 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 gear that you wouldn't have otherwise. Sure, that's really smart. And to play devil's advocate to my own, you know, my own argument, that kind of plays in favor to the storyteller, the game maker, the you know, the people that are actually creating it. They don't want the players to just blow through the stories yeah. they've carefully crafted. Um, so I guess I could see. Uh, it's a very interesting way of, of taking care of that problem, which yeah. I, I can get behind that. Yeah, they didn't they didn't used to do that. Like on my first few playthroughs of, of Old Republic, that was not a thing. And then more recently, it became became one. I don't know what expansion it became because I, I dropped off playing for six months to a year or so. Right. And th- then I came back to it and was like, 
the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always been a back and forth, right? The players trying to out outwit the creators, and then the creators trying to pre-think the players and make sure everything just stays kosher. I, I don't know. I think it makes the the whole video game industry better. Yeah. All right. So I think I, that's all I've got. Mm-hmm. So yeah. No, I I think we've covered the topic. I I'm quite satisfied. Him and that satisfied. Well, you know, I like to be satisfied. Ooh. What? I, and now I've got the roll of Rolling Stones satisfaction playing in my head. <laughs> well, I, 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 won't, I won't offend the listeners by singing it, but... Yeah, please don't. <laughs> but it's there. Don't offend it's me there. either. All right, so, Kurt, what are you into? Gosh, um, I actually have been trying to eke out some time from my currently busy life to play through the expansion, or the, the I guess the DLC, uh, of Dark Souls 3. I did some last night whilst... Uh, Tracy was sleeping and it's ridiculously difficult. I can barely make it past the first. I actually, I haven't even made it past the first little level. I keep just getting beaten down trying to get through also reading. Was it red seas, red skies? Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. The second. That, that's a, that's a the... good one, but I'm kind of still coming down off of this one game. I discovered at a uh, New York comic con, the puzzle quest for, for magic, the gathering. It's just basically your, your standard slide the gems, make them disappear sort of thing. But I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's one of those casual games, but kind of threw in a magic twist that I, I like. Yeah, that's a mobile game though, right? It is, yeah. I played on on my iPad. What about that Transformers game that you were playing? Oh yeah, Daryl came over. So, I don't know if you guys remember, way back on the Aliens podcast, I had my friend Daryl come in on it. And he and I were huge into Transformers, and I hadn't played the the very, I guess, two, two years? Three when years, we, whatever I, it was. When he says way into transformers he means since like age five yeah well we grew up in the 80s so we had all the cool stuff so anyway i playstation plus was you know offering a free download of uh the transformers game that came out a few years ago uh the self-shaded sort of cartoony looking one okay i hadn't played it uh until just before he got here and then whenever he got here i was like you know what i got this you probably enjoy it so we were playing through a few levels of it actually it's a pretty nice game and he enjoyed it so much, he said he was going to go go home and buy it. So that's actually a pretty big statement for him because he doesn't play too many video games because uh, he feels he's not very good at them. He yeah. wasn't. Every time, yeah. he was, every time he'd get stuck on a level, he'd hand you the controller. Yeah, he'd hand me the controller, and I'd beat it the first try. And be like, stupid, I hate you. No, you play. I just want to watch. Basically, they, they re- retreated back to age nine. Yeah, pretty much. We were nine again. It's, nice. it's fine. Uh, it's like watching Kyle play Assassin's Creed. I was like, man, this game is fucking hard. Like watching <laughs> Kyle play, and then I was like, and then I played. I was like, oh, no, Kyle's oh, not it's, very, Kyle's it's not Kyle. very good. <laughs> oh, Kyle. <laughs> so yeah, that was me. How about you guys? Tracy. Um, so I have been playing a couple of mobile games. So I downloaded this one called Eden, and it's sort of. It's one of those games where you you essentially grind, but you start out in the wilderness with a group of people, and then you um, you have to sort of build a camp and build a carpenter shed and build a, a sleeping building and a kitchen and so forth. Okay, and, so kind of like a Sim Earth or what have you. Something... Yeah, it's exactly like a Sim Earth. Sure. Um, it's a, it's a, another knockoff, and it's been pretty fun. I'm waiting until it gets to the point where I have to grind too hard because that's always when they lose me. Um, I've been playing... Another game called Best Fiends Forever, which is the second of a series of games based around the same... They're not even really characters. I don't know. It's just a bunch of bugs that are trying to defeat these slugs. And it's 
it's the worst. I don't know why I haven't deleted it yet or uninstalled it yet because it's stupid. It is one of the stupidest games ever, but I guess it, I guess I must like it on some level because I still haven't installed it and I keep playing it's, it. It's violent. You just keep shoving your finger on the screen. Yeah, you just tapping keep like tapping to slap these slugs right. and then they die. I think yeah, that's what it is. It's thoughtless. Yeah, completely thoughtless. As far as books, I'm going back through The Only Living Boy after we talked to the writer, David Gallagher, on the on the show. Uh, I had looked at them in digital form and now, um, I, I based on that conversation, honestly, I went ahead and I bought the trades. So I've been doing that. And then, of course, I was eating a lot of turkey this week. Oh, turkey. Oh, boy, did we. Oh, yeah. yeah. So much food. Yeah, that was, was a so lot. So good. Yeah. So what about you, Andrew? Oh, let's see. Uh, so Thanksgiving Day, uh, we were up at my in-laws, and we broke out exploding kittens for the first time. Excellent. What? What is this Ex- exploding kitten? Exploding kitten. kitten. It's a card game done by... Um, Matthew Inman, who, who's the the artist behind the Oatmeal. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I enjoyed the game. It's a little. I don't know. I, I, like there are like problems with it. It, it can. It kind of. It, it kind of almost always came down to the same result. And maybe just because we were only playing with three people, but like it came down. Like the games ended real similarly. It, it's a fun game, and like the cards are ridiculous because especially because I got the not safe for work edition. <laughs> so what's what's the premise? I mean, basically, like each person takes turns. You know, you gotta you have to draw a card, and you can play different cards. And if you draw an exploding kitten, you die. You're just out of the game. That's it. Yeah, I mean, they're like they're always, they're they're what are called diffuse cards, which you know diffuse the exploding kitten. But so, who wants to explode a kitten? I mean, I hate cats, but I don't want to. No, 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 no. It's not. It's not that someone wants to explode the kitten. It's like the kittens are killing you. The kittens are are. I don't say suicide bombers here, but. <laughs> really... They're terrorist kittens, obviously. Oh, okay, I don't know that I can think cat, that way. Because cats are murderous. Cats are murderous, but kittens—they look at them; they're just so fluffy. They're, right, they're just small, fluffy, and murderous. Yes. <laughs> don't be fooled. If they were slightly bigger, they would kill you. Well, that's what they do. They get slightly bigger. Right, and then they kill you. And then they kill you. They, yes. They suck the the life out of you while you sleep. No, 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 no. For you, they just make all of your sinuses swell up to the point you can't breathe, and then you yeah, die. They, ju- they just suck the air out of you. <laughs> yeah. You know, I hadn't put that together until this moment. Cats are trying to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> all righty. <laughs> I have so, a legitimate life. Yeah. So we played we played Exploding Kittens. Uh, the last couple of nights, just to kind of unwind a little bit, I've been playing, I've been playing a computer game, and I'm drawing the blank. Sins of a Solar Empire. There we go. Whoa. That sounds deep. Uh, it's a real-time strategy game that dude and I've been playing for years. Nice. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a lot of fun. It was just one of those like, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll put it on easy and just you know mindlessly kick ass. Fantastic. <laughs> Sounds like what Daryl likes to do. <laughs> like real time real strategy games are one of the few I'll just do that on. I mean, like I'll go through and like, I'll, and I'll beat the game on like you know the normal level or whatever. But if I'm just sitting around like screwing around with a some multiplayer map against a computer, I'm like, I'm just gonna have fun. Yeah. Yeah, sure. You got to have some fun. And then Tuesday, uh, the day this podcast is coming out, is also the release day for Final Fantasy XV. So mm-hmm. when I'm not editing podcasts and prepping for podcasts, uh, I will be basically spending all of my time doing that. Yes. So, so if this is a poorly edited podcast, you know why. Oh, no, no, no. This one no, no, no. It, this one will come out. It's It'll every, be the next it, one. Yeah, it's every subsequent podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's funny it's funny you say that if you talk to talk to the iFanboy guys when they when they did when they used to play World of Warcraft they're like have you heard the stuff we put out it was awful because we were spending all of our time playing World of Warcraft <laughs> so well I won't blame you how about that I didn't think you would I, I, I will back you I was gonna say he'll probably be doing the same thing in your efforts to not edit yeah and instead put your time to more important endeavors yep all right folks if you like what we do, make sure you head on over to thereforeageek.com. Check out our podcast and our blog posts. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. And you can find this podcast and other podcasts like it on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube. So once again, I'm Andrew. I'm Tracy. And I'm Kurt. And you've been listening to Therefore I Geek.